Hi, I'm Dina. And the last thing I prayed for is so my podcast takes off and I can quit my day job. How are you, JC? Okay, you don't, that's not even your voice. I know. How are you, JC? Well, the thing is, whenever I'm asking, <laughs> how are you? Like, I don't know, I'm working on making my voice sound less fake, but I mean it. I want to know how you are. <laughs> I'm pretty solid. I, yeah, I don't really have anything to complain about. Actually, I'm not even going to go that's there. Rare Nothing for to you. complain about. Pretty much like good vibes all around. Love it. No pandemic. No pandemic. <laughs> what pandemic? No, what pandemic? Except I just found out my friend no recall. has COVID, but... Um, Uh-oh. A lot of people are getting COVID. If you haven't gotten vaxxed yet, you know what to do. Well, they are, they are vaxxed, so... Oh. Okay, I have to say, I was lolling at Nicki Minaj's cousin's, like, swollen testicles or whatever. <laughs> I mean, is she on drugs? Like, what is that? <laughs> Guys, don't take medical advice from Like, the Minaj. Prime Minister of Britain. She went on Twitter and, like, recorded Boris a voice Johnson? note. Yeah, and she was like, hello, Boris Johnson. My name is Nicki. I'm from Britain. And if you're here in this, like, I don't even know. I, she's obviously like cracked out or something. Well, I hope not. She's a new mother, but I had a little giggle because I thought it was funny, even I though it's like giggle. fucking scary. Because obviously people are like taking that seriously and listening to her. But it's also crazy how many celebrities. Okay, here's the real tea. Mm -hmm. So many celebrities are not vaccinated. And I have a very high up source somewhere important that told me that celebrities are getting fake vaccine cards to go to sets and to go to restaurants and to go to places in which they need a vax card. And a lot of them are not actually vaccinated. Demois call us. Wait, that sounded like it was French, but people know what Demois is. Demois call us. We have gossip. Um, <laughs> well, wait, I, I want you to that. name names, but I know you can't. I can't. That's naughty. That is very bad and unethical. Yeah, but my friend does work in the fashion industry. So think those types of people. That's some fucked up shit. I would like to transition to talking about our Live Laugh Lahayim. Speaking yes. of celebrities, I'll go first. Oh. <laughs> my, yeah. My Live Laugh Lahayim is a real housewives of Salt Lake City. It's back. Yes. Oh, it's you know what? I was going to bring this up too. You, yours can be the same if you want, or if you have something else you want to bring up, that's fine. Well, I thought you were going to bring up how there was some Judaism, some Jewish representation. There was. We had a, a Shabbos Meredith on Brooks's there. Meredith Brooks' house. Oh, that's not her name. Meredith Brooks. <laughs> no, Meredith Brooks is a character. <laughs> Meredith Brooks sings, I'm a bitch, I'm a lover. I'm oh, a child, yeah. I'm a I mother. Thought, I thought I'm that was a character. Right? No, Double Brooks product. Marks, Brooks Marks, and then Meredith Marks. Yes. Um, I love I loved in the episode when Brooks was like, I hope Lisa decides to convert back to Judaism. <laughs> that was so funny. And then when the daughter is like saying the mozi and the parents forgot it, I was like, wow, this is so real. And like everyone's just like looking around during like while she's saying that it. Was it was so funny. Real life. Yeah, I'm so happy it's back. My other live laugh with Kayam. I will just get ahead of it, even though it hasn't happened yet, is that I'll be breaking fast with you. And I'm so excited yes. to do that. And by the time this airs, we will have had the fast. fast. 
I did buy vegan cream cheese as well, just in case. I didn't buy Thank cream you. cheese because you're buying cream cheese, but I did buy oh. Kite Hill. <laughs> the best. The only one. Cream cheese. Do you like it? I haven't tried it yet. Oh, you got to try it. I tried a different, like the real I've thing, tried but... a different brand that I really liked. So I'm hoping this one is just as good. I've heard this one's better, so... It's so nice to like start celebrating your own and not celebrating your own holidays, but it's so nice to start like hosting your own events as an adult. I know. Yeah. Jewish or any holiday events. Like it makes me feel like a real, like I have my shit together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's awesome. I'm psyched. Me too. It's going to be really fun. Okay. Let's talk about our guest this week. Dina Bahar. Dina. Deans. The Deans. Dina Wiener. You know what? I just realized Dina is kind of a Jewish name. It is. Or I always think that it's a Jewish name, but it okay. might not be. Hot take though, like there is a big difference between Dina and Dinah. And mm-hmm. like Dina sounds very Jewish and Dinah is like something else. And her name is spelled Dinah. I've never thought about it that way. <laughs> so like someone's in the kitchen with Dinah, like that's not a Jewish jig. That's like a that's something else. Moving on. This has gotten out of hand, to be quite honest. I love this episode because Dina is not from the United States and she immigrated here as an adult. And we always have Americans and it's nice to have a breath of fresh air, have a different perspective. Yeah, it was awesome. And, you know, she's from Indonesia. <laughs> you have been to Indonesia. You'd love to go back. I'd love to go. No, I actually would not love to go back. I oh, you wouldn't? Back. No. Oh, okay. Well, I'd love to go for the first time. And um, once COVID's over, I'll be there. Enjoy the episode. Before we get into the episode, we have a little ad for you. The Forward, one of America's most influential publications, just launched a new podcast called A Bental Brief, and we can't wait for you guys to hear it. Their historic advice column, A Bental Brief, has now been adapted for the 21st century into a podcast. Hosts Gina Green and Lynn Harris are two very different moms who join forces to tackle difficult subjects about modern life. They talk about everything from being social after 16 months in quarantine to worrying about a family member who's been politically radicalized. We are huge fans of the show and we definitely think you should check it out. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, we're JC and Jess. That's JC. Hi. And this is Pray For Us, a podcast about practicing ancient religions in the modern day. We're talking about how we observe all religions, including Judaism, when it comes to holidays, religion, obvious religion, (laughs) holidays, relationships, food, and everything in between. Today, we're talking to Dina Bahar. Dina is the co-host of KTP The Podcast. Welcome to the show, Dina. Hi. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Thanks for being here. I'm excited that you just got to hear Jessica's very hyper, intro. very quick introduction. Amazing. Usually I do that. Oh, um, we're switching it up her, today. I let her have the have the cake because you know you guys know each other, and going forward, I think I'll just I'll just do them. <laughs> I think some people like a quick intro. It's like you want to get to the the meat of the interview. Love the it. meat and potatoes. <laughs> Speaking of meat and potatoes of the interview, where are you currently? You have a really lovely Zoom background, but obviously, I don't think that's your. This real is house. not the real background. <laughs> um, this is just my work background Zoom call situation. But I'm currently at home in LA, based mm-hmm. in Culver City. So oh, we're close. We're all close. Yeah. We are. We love. And then where are you from originally? Originally, I was born and raised in Jakarta, Indonesia. So 
that's around a minimum 24-hour flight to Indonesia across the sea. That is so far. <laughs> it's so far. I, I mean, I will I, I will talk your ear off about Indonesia. I've been to Yogyakarta, but not Jakarta. You've been um, to Jakarta? I've been to jo- Yogyakarta. Oh, Yogyakarta, yeah. You've been there? So I've, I've been there. I wanted to go to the, I'm going to fuck up the name, the Borobudur yeah. Temple. Yeah. I want, yeah, so I went there. Oh my God, when did you go? Um, It was the winter of 2016. Oh my gosh. Did you like it? I fucking, okay, so I loved Joe Jakarta. Mm-hmm. I thought I was just, I've never been anywhere like that. I felt, well, first of all, I felt like a celebrity, you know? <laughs> yeah. Why? Because everyone, <laughs> everyone wants to take pictures. Oh, because you're white, white girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just, I, everyone was so kind and it was, unlike anywhere I've ever been. And then I did go over to Bali as well. And I went to Seminyak, which I didn't like. Mm-hmm. And, but I went to Ubud, which was awesome. Love Ubud, yeah. Love Ubud. I wish I spent more time there. And yeah. then I went to Uluwatu, also fucking loved Uluwatu. Love. And uh, I went to Canggu. Canggu. Which was Canggu, yeah, mm-hmm. which was cool too. I guess I really really loved everywhere I went except for like Kuta and Seminyak and I was like are those like more touristy places Kuta was like very when I was still in elementary that was like the hot shit that's Mm -hmm. like where you go shopping where you go clubbing and things like that but like now I think it's more just like tourist trap there so definitely like definitely it's like Hollywood you know like no one really goes right it's like the Hollywood walk of fame yeah it's yeah I did get my eyelashes done there for the first time in my life. <laughs> I love that that was an activity that yeah. you had to do. You flew 24 well, hours like... to get your eyelashes done. <laughs> I was with a group of people. I did like a, I joined a trip group. Yeah. And one of the girls was like, you have to get it done in Bali. It's so cheap. And like, everyone's amazing. And I was like, okay. And I didn't know, I didn't, I had never got my eyelashes done. So I did it. It was like $20. I looked fucking rad for like the rest of the trip. Yeah. And then I had, you know, an eye infection after, but it was worth it. So. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Wait, as much as I love hearing about JC's experiences abroad, I, <laughs> I do want to know what was it like growing up there versus being a tourist? Like yes. now you've lived in the States for quite some time now. So like, how does it compare? It's very much like your typical east side versus west side situation. Like mm-hmm. when I was growing up growing up in Indonesia, it was very like very much like a close-knit group of people that I grew up with. Everyone is like very, you know, like you have a collective mindset. Even with like my family, like there's two sides of the sword, right? Like everyone is very involved with everyone's lives to a point that Mm -hmm. yes, of course, like you have like all the nosy aunts and grandmas and everything. So like everyone is very up in your business, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, it's more so, so then they can also take care of you too. You know, mm-hmm. like you're, you're very involved in everyone's lives. So then you can kind of take care where people are like not doing that for themselves. Gotcha. Um, and I think that kind of is very much related to how culturally like Indonesia is majority Muslim. Obviously, I have friends who are Christian or Buddhist and Hindu as well, but the majority is Islam and I grew up culturally um I was brought up as a Muslim the the culture is very much like 
you're a, this like huge collective group of Muslim essentially. And that's what you're taught from the very, the very beginning in like Quran and everything. And I think that kind of translates to the day to day that I grew up with essentially. So in comparison to how I've been living my life in the US ever since college, it's clearly like a very individualistic culture. And when I was starting to live in the US, like that was probably what I was looking for. Like I was like, okay, great. Like I'm out of Indo, I'm out of home. Let's like assimilate as much as possible and like learn as much as possible. Obviously like the contrast of the two cultures was like exactly what I was looking for. But mm-hmm. what was interesting, I think for me personally, and not a lot of my friends get to do this is that I was able to like live back home as an adult. When my visa ran out, I went back home and like lived and worked there thinking that I was going to do that forever. Like I was going back to Indo for good. Obviously now I'm back in the US and like (laughs) living here forever. So it was nice to be able to go back and forth as an adult and have both experiences very like fresh in my adult brain. Cause then I can kind of, you know, pick and choose and really think about like what of the two cultures do I want to keep and what I don't want? What age did you initially move away from Indonesia and to the U.S.? Um, so I moved at age 18. Like after oh, wow. high school, I left and went to the Bay Area before I moved to L.A. But yeah, since since 18. And in Jakarta, did you go to, what is the school system like? Did you go to an American school? So did you... I actually have experiences with both. Like I actually went to a fully Muslim school. Like the uniform was, I had what to wear a hijab every day. You did? I yeah, can't like imagine the, you wearing that. There was literally a uniform hijab. Um, and there's a bunch of schools like that, like more religious schools. Um, you can kind of equate that like, you have Catholic schools here too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I went to that school for two years. I've been to more like American schools, like in high school and middle school. So that's mainly like, I think I spent most of my time in more of the American schools, but there was a stint where I was like <laughs> going to school in this Muslim school. And it was very interesting. Like, I don't think I've been the most religious person at all. Um, So my mom is very religious all my life. And of course, when you see your daughter not being super religious, you're like the way you parent is like, you're a bad girl. Like you shouldn't be doing whatever it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like I always see myself as like this evil daughter who's just like, you know. Obviously now I'm not, like I understand that I'm not. It's just like, I'm not religious and that's it but that doesn't mean i'm a bad person but growing up i'm just like why am i so like why am i the the devil's child like i don't get it but anyways (laughs) did you how did you feel about wearing the hijab every day was that something that was just normal for you or did you ever like have a period where you wanted to rebel against that i think because it was a uniform i didn't really think too much of it i personally Mm -hmm. Even now, I love a uniform just because, like, I don't really have to think it's much easy. about it. Yeah. That's why I wear black every day. I, just I know. I love wearing <laughs> uniforms. I love the idea of uniforms. But when you get to choose your own uniform, I think that's different. Totally. 100%. But when that was my uniform, I didn't think much about it just because, like, in my head, it was obviously, like, it's just a uniform. Everybody's using it going to school. I don't think my mom ever told me to wear a hijab 
like if it wasn't my uniform like she's never like super forceful like it's like mm-hmm, well mm-hmm. it's just a uniform like you wear it you can take it off once you're out of the school and i do that like once i'm out of the school i'm just like in my car going back home like i probably don't wear it mm-hmm. so it's not too odd at the time like what what i kind of rebel against is more like when my mom will tell me like okay we're going to a relative's house they're more conservative like can you just put on a hijab so then like you're more presentable that i don't love because like to me that's just like you're kind of like telling me what to wear now when it's not really like the norm in this um party or yeah. like this situation because I, right. I would have like obviously other guests who would come who didn't wear a hijab and they're like my mom can't tell her what to do obviously so then that's usually when i am like a little annoying i'm just like why so would you wear like in a scenario like that would you wear a hijab or would you go against your mother's wishes i usually would wear it just to appease my mom and Mm -hmm. i would do the same thing yeah (laughs) 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 like i would end up wearing it but then like my mom is super religious so like no hair should show but then because i'm like okay fine i'll do it like i'll just show like a little bit like this much Ooh, rebel, <laughs> rebel devil child i know and she and then i would be but like it, is. it definitely like makes now. a little bit of a statement it's a like yeah, i'm doing it to appease yeah. you but i'm not happy exactly exactly so it's always like like that but as an adult now obviously like you kind of understand your parents better so now i don't really make a fuss out of it but i also like have more of the autonomy to pick and choose which events i would go to so yeah right it's it's a, it's a balance for sure do you mind explaining to anyone who's listening and might not know like what is the purpose of a hijab and like what are some of the broader rules surrounding it mm-hmm. to give a little bit of context and uh hopefully someone will fit, like correct me if i'm explaining it wrong it's more the 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 history of the hijab is mainly because back then the prophet muhammad had a lot of wives and mainly because the prophet would marry someone who's widowed or who basically can't really take care of themselves so he would marry them to so then they have had their own lives essentially Obviously, it was a different time, Mm -hmm. and that's why he had a lot of wives. And obviously, over time, a lot of people want a piece of Muhammad, essentially, and so Mm -hmm. they go after the wives um, for different reasons, like just like a celeb in today. Right. The wives would wear hijab, so then they become more anonymous, essentially, and that's how they started to be like the uniform for Muslims now. That's I didn't know any of that either. Yeah, I only read this like more recently, maybe like last year, and that was super interesting. It kind of gave me more context to why it is the way it is now. Mm-hmm. But I think nowadays, Muslims would wear it mainly to be, I guess it is to pay respects to the culture and the history of it. But I think people don't really think about that, obviously. like, And it's more so just to be modest. Yeah, like even my mom, it's more to, she dresses like that to kind of, like you you dress up how you feel and how you want to be associated with. Mm -hmm. And I think that's more of the reason why a lot of people do it these days to kind of associate themselves with 
the religion, I'd say. To like identify herself as like, yes, I'm a Muslim woman. I'm proud of this. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me and not to shed all over Judaism and Orthodox Jews, but that's why wearing wigs as an Orthodox woman never made sense to me because it's like you're just putting the same hair over your other Wait, can hair. you can you share that with me because i have no clue jess can you explain why like what the what the history behind it is because i don't really know if you're an orthodox woman and i don't know the history of this you are supposed to cover your hair after you get married so you wear like i think it's called like a shaitel which is either like a head covering or like a wig and it's supposed to symbolize that like you're married and like you only show your hair to your husband Mm. and honestly like what it comes down to is like (laughs) i guess men think that like women's hair is like a big turn on or yeah like they can't handle it or they don't want other men looking at their wives hair so they cover it up but it's like when you wear a wig it does look that's the same basically just like real hair yeah yeah and i i was under the impression until just very right now that in <laughs> islam it was similar that you were covering I your think head because only your husband could see your there's hair. definitely some narratives that are like that and also like the the rules in the in quran to my understanding is that you wear a hijab and you're it's only your husband and your children essentially like your first direct family can see you without it i'm pretty sure certain people would equate it that way like oh it's only your husband who is allowed to Mm -hmm. like look at you with hair but i know a lot of my friends who now wear hijabs or like my mom and just a good amount of people who are wearing hijabs now it's more of like for them to identify instead of like it being to like save it for for their husbands because like a lot of my friends actually (laughs) now i also see like how certain people would use it that way too because i Mm -hmm. also know a good amount of people who got married and then now like a week later they'll wear hijabs because like oh now i'm like my husband's i mean it must Mm -hmm. be something that's in the old testament if every religion has like some form of that i guess yeah. maybe christianity doesn't but christianity you need to get a bob and bleach your hair <laughs> <laughs> or the kate gosling <laughs> yeah i also think it's like you know like i 100 percent can see it like in the quran you just like they'll just say a sentence and then people interpret it a hundred million ways oh right to their own there is a difference between a hijab and something like a burqa like there are different types of coverings too like yes you know sometimes we see on the news like women in the middle east who have like their faces covered except for their eyes or their eyes yeah. covered like i think there's like it's very nuanced yeah but i think like we like most modern muslim women wear a hijab right yeah and i think the levels to it like you were mentioning is more correlated with the subculture i'd say because it's not common at all in indonesia it it is probably more common in the middle east so i think it's more related to where you are and like the culture there gotcha there's no like specific rule on which one in the quran are there any muslim indonesian traditions that are like specific to the area Mm -hmm. or your community that you know you wouldn't find maybe in like the Middle East or wherever else. Yeah, I think a lot of the traditions 
the underlying message from these traditions are probably similar, but the actual executions are probably different. But what I probably miss the most about the tradition in Mindo is like when it comes to Ramadan, there's a whole like change in lifestyle when I'm in Indo. It's like all the restaurants would probably have curtains and like basically cover all their windows and everything because now it's Ramadan and like you can't be watching people eat. Yeah, um, it's torture. Yeah. <laughs> Wine glasses become mugs. Like it's a total like <laughs> change. Like it's all of a sudden it's like you're in a movie set or something. But yeah, like when it's Ramadan in Indonesia, it's a whole vibe. You have a bunch of different like I guess it is like Christmas here, like the whole month. It's just like all Christmas shit all the time, you know? <laughs> and meanwhile in Indo, it's like the whole month is just Ramadan stuff all the time. And the break fasting is a total vibe because then for this one month, your calendars will just be so full of just you meeting up with different groups of friends and like breaking fast in different places. And like people will make an event out of everything. So like people will host is essentially like people will take the opportunity to host dinners essentially. And it's so fun. And I really miss that a lot. And it's very different in the U S like, I don't really do Ramadan at all when I'm in the U S cause like, I would love to fast with that reward of me being able to like break fast with all my right. friends and all my family. That sounds fun. Exactly. Like in here, it's like, okay, I'm going to fast from dusk till dawn and I'm just like break fasting by myself. And it's just like not as fun. It like loses the novelty yeah, for sure. Exactly. And even if I don't the I don't have the dinner parties with my friends, I have my own traditions with my mom and she'll literally have a bunch of different foods that we'll obviously always eat every year. And that makes me miss the like the season essentially. When it comes to the final day of Ramadan, it's also like a total party. Um, after you pray in the morning, like we'll have a feast and all day you'll just have like a feast with people coming over to your place or you coming over to their place and yeah it's a whole day shindig it's super fun so i miss that the most that sounds amazing what are there any like ramadan specific foods that you eat like i mean obviously i was only in indonesia for two weeks yeah. but i literally only i feel like i just ate nasi goreng for like two wait weeks. what's that it's, it's like fried, fried rice, rice. Oh, yeah. yeah it literally translates to fried rice but there's a lot indonesian a lot of like indonesian specific ramadan food it's called opor which is like a coconut stew it honestly tastes very similar to allison roman's the stew <laughs> oh my she god probably, so controversial like, honestly, yeah she probably riffed it from like a lot of indonesian recipes because we use uh, probably. coconut and turmeric a lot a lot a lot i love so turmeric. you can so imagine yummy. basically that broth with chicken and it's so good and we have a lot of like sticky rice. We have a lot of those rice. during Ramadan. Yeah. It's not as common during outside of Ramadan. We usually just eat rice. But during Ramadan, for some reason, if you look at all the marketing or advertising during Ramadan, it's always with sticky rice in like banana leaves. <laughs> I mean, yum. <laughs> so good. I wish I could have been like a little bit more of an adventurous eater when I was there. 
But I did. I got Bali Belly like day three. Oh my and god. I was like, What's Bali Belly? I went to urgent care. Oh in my Bali. god. Is that like That's, Montezuma's Revenge or something? Yeah. It's just like you know us as us as Americans who don't get out much. Our stomachs are not used to like certain bacteria that are found in elsewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> And I, you know, I was like, oh, I'll be careful. I'll be careful. But I wasn't careful at all. I was just kind of eating and drinking everything in sight for like my first two days there. (laughs) And yeah, it was, um, it it was, it was a situation for sure. How long were you, how long were you out for? I was, so I, I was probably only having a serious problem for like two or three days. Um, but my friend that I was traveling with, was out for like a week. She missed out on all of Ubud because she was like bedridden. That sucks. Yeah. Do you have the reverse where like you come to America and you eat genetically mod- modified foods and like processed foods and you have a, a constipated cake. for six weeks? <laughs> I've never experienced that. Thank God. I hope You're that so you lucky. never do. <laughs> where are both of your parents from Indonesia and are they both Muslim? No. So yeah, great question. My parents are both from Indonesia. They're both from like very different cultures. Um, my dad is Chinese Indonesian and my mom is native Indonesian. My mom is Muslim. My dad is, my dad used to be Catholic. And then he, when he married my mom, he became Muslim, but now they're separate. So now he's back as a Catholic and now he's a devoted Catholic. Oh, he's a devout Catholic. I mean, devout is a stretch, but he is more, he's now faithful. Okay. Faithful Catholic. Was there like a de Islam ceremony? Yeah. Like, like, like how did he broach that subject? (laughs) Becoming Muslim is a very easy situation. Like, is it? It's honestly really easy. You just recite two sentences in Arabic and then you're Muslim essentially. So we really made the bar really low so that everyone can join. They're like, come on, just just join us. Very low barrier to entry, anyone can join. So yeah, my dad recited it and basically you just have to like have the intentions essentially. That's what we always say. Like you just have to be, to have the intentions and you mm-hmm. can recite these two sentences and you can be Muslim and practice. But yeah, so my dad, because he was never, religion is like very personal, obviously, as probably you guys would know too. Mm -hmm. And I think if you don't grow up with these beliefs, it's just very hard to instill it and like believe in it yourself. For sure. Right. So given that my dad become, became a Muslim to marry my mom, those intentions are probably not the right intentions to actually be a Muslim anyway. So he was never religious when I was growing up. He w- he probably didn't like practice it as much, except for like Ramadan. Ramadan is truly like the month, you guys. We got <laughs> it. Should tell. we start celebrating? <laughs> yeah, that's the same in Judaism though. Like no, I mean, not no one, mm-hmm. but a lot of conservative and reformed Jews aren't Jewish. Mm. So quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, so Jewish until it is the high holidays until Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And then everyone's like, we have to celebrate, we have to fast, we have to go to the synagogue. And it's like, it's nice, it's beautiful, I love it. But like, you know, Mm -hmm. same thing. Can, do you know what the two sentences are that you're supposed to say? We'll probably have to Google a bit to recite it in Arabic, but it essentially is saying Allah is my God and Muhammad is my prophet in Arabic. 
easy. Yeah. yeah. How many languages do you speak? I read Arabic. Um, speaks. <laughs> it's not casual at all. It's honestly, it's pretty. It's probably really it's, fucking hard. It was hard. really hard to learn. <laughs> yeah, I can read it. I just don't know what that's saying. Like, I can literally read the whole Quran if I have to, but I don't know what it's saying. Um, mm. But I mainly just speak English and Indo. Indo. I don't even know. I don't know it. Indonesian sounds like I don't think kind of a lot of people say it sounds kind of like Tagalog or Filipino a Filipino language I think also when you're from a certain place like when you're from America like your ear just can't pick up certain sounds or like intonations because yeah. you're just like not used to it yeah that's I'm so impressed. true but you can you know there are some languages that are so so specific in intonation and in like oh yeah voice fluctuation like vietnamese to me like you could hear that oh, from yeah. mm -hmm. miles away yeah, yeah, yeah. indonesian is a really easy language to learn just for anyone especially oh. for english speakers apparently because we don't have like you don't really need to learn grammar so black and white it's like i do this i go there like there's no past tense present tense or anything like that mm. there's no um those intonation situation mm -hmm. like Chinese, Chinese. Japanese. So my cousin yeah. speaks Chinese fluently. He went to, he's a white boy, yeah. but he went to school in China and he was trying to teach me like some phrases in Chinese and I'm, I could not get yeah. the hang of it at all. And he was like, so some of it is like, yeah. Aw, and some of it is like, yeah. yeah. And I was like, what are you talking yeah. about? That's yeah, the same thing. And he kept going yeah. like, yeah. He kept moving his fingers yeah. in different ways to try to show me like and what like, the intonation they was. They would sound like, the same to me, but apparently, if right. I say it wrong, it means totally different things. Meanwhile, like, thank fucking God, Indonesian language don't have that. So yeah, a lot of people have yeah. mentioned that it's super easy to learn. I'm down yeah, maybe to I'll download that on Duolingo. What are the characters like? Are they <laughs> like Phoenician? Yeah. Oh, Latin. Yeah. So you don't have to learn anything. Nice. Truly. Yeah. Amazing. When you were growing up, because your dad grew up Catholic, did you celebrate Christmas or like any Christian holidays or Catholic holidays? I've always like joked about this because I'm like, I'm eight, like I'm Chinese. I'm also Catholic. I'm also Muslim. And then I have my birthdays. So like every year I just celebrate so many different things. That's the best. Yeah. So we do celebrate Christmas, but I don't think it's as big as it is in um, the U.S. Like now I'm celebrating Christmas with Stevens, like my husband's family. And it's a totally different ball game than my Christmas is growing up. My Christmases growing up, it was more just like a dinner with the big family and like people get together. There's not a lot of stress in like the gift giving part. It's more just like another time to like hang out with the family. Be together. Yeah. That's nice. What's your husband's background? He is... What, what is he, Jess? He's, He's Mexican-American, right? Mexican-American, but like been, I think he has been like three generations in the in LA. So mostly American. Uh, yeah. He's very LA. Like very. I met Dina through her husband and he's like yeah. such an LA boy, like die right. hard. Yeah. Like Which I think through. is like its own like subculture in and of itself. It is. Totally. <laughs> but it's like, it's nice that you guys have been able to like blend both of your like backgrounds and your religions. And like you haven't, it doesn't sound like you've really had to sacrifice or give up much aside from the fact that you live a 24 hour plane ride away from your Yeah. Home. No, not much. And I think he, 
his family is also like not the most religious either so it wasn't hard for us to kind of get along because not any of us were too close to either like christian or you definitely yeah. have to have an open mind for sure. about religion to be with someone who's for not sure. yeah who wasn't raised the way that you were oh totally totally so that worked out well yeah 100 percent. it was i would say it was hard for my mom to like grasp me marrying a non-muslim at the beginning so it was definitely more more of the hard work was by my mom because it was like it took a lot for her to like grasp me not ending up with a Muslim person and like probably not ending up living a more Muslim life. Did you have any religion at your wedding ceremony? No, we, there was at the beginning when, when I was just bringing up like, oh, Stephen and I are thinking to get married. She definitely asked like if we could have done it in the Muslim way with like Muslim traditions. Doing that means Stephen has to convert to Islam. (laughs) And Stephen was like, no, there's no way I'm going to do that. It's probably more disrespectful to Islam if I just do that just to marry you. Like, I don't want to do that. So we didn't end up doing the the Islam tradition, the Muslim tradition. At the Indonesian wedding, it was more like paying respects to the Chinese Indonesian culture instead of any religion. Did you have a wedding in Indonesia and then a wedding in No, we didn't have the, okay. It was, the Indonesian one was actually like the engagement party with a lot of Chinese Indonesian traditions. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and then the US one, we didn't have any wedding or anything like that. It was more like a small ceremony in Malibu, but then not long after it was COVID. So the big celebration was that Indonesian one. So now we're just like calling it the wedding. It was really like- That sounds perfect It wasn't the plan, but honestly, we'll we'll take it. Yeah, it worked out. Yeah. Are there a lot of people who get married really young in Indonesia or, okay, that's very common. She's nodding. Dina is nodding. (laughs) Dina is nodding. Yes, (laughs) it's very common to get married around 22, 23. Like, it's so common. I think, like, my group of friends, I was the the first person to get married and like the second one is only going to get married this Thanksgiving. So it's very uncommon to, like to have that much like like my group of friends aren't getting married right now and we're around like we're closer to 30 now that's so un- uncommon yeah meanwhile like most of like jakarta essentially usually would get married around 20 to 25 how many siblings or i mean do you have siblings and if so how many yeah one sibling and he is in australia right now oh how that happen oh well he well yeah he's not really stuck he's probably living life um he went to college in australia so i went to the u.s and then he went to australia and he got to live and work there so now he like the border's closed obviously so yeah yeah he just have to like stay in and can't really visit indonesia or anything else but i mean probably better for him out of all the places in the world to be stranded i think australia is like for sure i've never been but i assume it's a pretty sick place to be stranded. yeah probably is your brother religious at all yes muslim muslim yeah there was a time 
I remember having this conversation with my brother and he was like, you know, I really wanted to be critical about like my beliefs. And I started like digging more into, read a lot of books, da 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 da, just like doing his own research. And basically he did a lot of that. I never did, but he concluded that, yes, this is like the religion for me. I truly believe everything like this is what I want to devote my life to. So now he's like a devoted Muslim and he prays five times a day to the point that he's probably, I think this is mostly because he's still young. Before he became super religious like that, he was like going out with me, like going to clubs, trying like smoking weed and things like that. And I don't know if he still does this, but the last time I saw him, he was like, I was in Australia with my cousins and also my brother was there too. And my cousins was like, yeah, let's go smoke some weed. And he was like, okay, like I'll join you after my last prayer. Cause I can't. <laughs> but he, he did smoke weed after all was said and done. He would smoke weed just after the last prayer. Cause <laughs> a lot of it, like give and take, I know it's, he's so funny, but yeah, that's how he like compromised essentially. Cause I think a lot of the, the, narratives that we grew up with was essentially like we can't do drugs or alcohol or anything like that we, we can't just take any of those because like you if you're unconscious even just slightly like then you're gonna forget about god like you don't have god with you like you don't think about them or about him or yeah don't think about god so i think that's how his logic works it's like okay let me just get out of this last prayer out of it and then i can smoke some weed that reminds me of christianity with like doing whatever you want to do and then just like going to do your hail Mary. exactly yeah. it's similar yeah do you drink now though or have you ever i'm not like the most religious person as yeah you, yeah as like you can probably like read from like talking to me in just like yeah. a few minutes definitely because of my upbringing as a muslim i never ate pork never drank alcohol up until like drank alcohol was my senior year of high school and it was like just a sip and then like i only started drinking in college mm -hmm. in america yeah. yeah i think i only ate pork when i was in the u.s and it was like also just like if it was there like i'm not like going out and, like Okay, I need like, to eat I pork need now. pork. I need yeah. alcohol. Gotta get my pork fix. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Where did you go to college? Um, USC. So throughout this period of your life, when you were sort of like moving further away from religion, and you moved to the United States, like were your parents supportive of that, or how did they react? Yeah, they were supportive mainly because my dad's family like him and all of his siblings went to college in the US. So I think from a very young age, my parents knew like they were gonna send me to the US for college. So it was mm -hmm. always like the plan. Mm -hmm. But my mom came from a very different background. Like my mom didn't even go to college. So just like the college situation itself was very new to her, but she knew like she was gonna send her kids to the US probably someday. I think what was tough for her was like, okay like you you were already not as religious when you were in you're living with me her only worry was like like she'll send me to the u.s and i won't stay close to my religion mm -hmm. i mean her worries were true because i 
truly did not. Because <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> I really did not keep on praying or anything like that. So, well, America is not a really is not really friendly to the idea of like stopping what you're doing yeah. and praying yeah. five times a day. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's definitely it's a it totally is um depending on the culture too. It's weird because when I'm in Indo, even when you go to school, there's an hour after lunch that is for praying together in the mosque at the school mm-hmm. like that's just the thing i didn't think it's weird obviously like i grew up with it and that's totally the norm with that being like scheduled into your day yeah makes practicing your religion obviously probably easier and it would just like take so much more to do it in the u.s especially like in a culture that's not like islam is just not yeah like not the majority at all there's a mini pilgrimage called umrah for if you go to like mecca it's not the full-on pilgrimage but there's like a shorter one that you can take any time of the year meanwhile the full-on pilgrimage you can only do it in the specific season and i did that with my mom and it's a totally different experience too like as much as i say like i'm not religious I don't really like pay attention to it. Don't really put time or invest any time in getting close to my religion. When I was there, I quite enjoyed the whole experience from like waking up super early, going to the mosque with everyone and like praying with everyone, like listening to the prayers out loud too. Like it was a total, totally fun experience for me. Like it was, completely different than what I'm used to and I was totally like excited to like do that it's just like yeah it's just like Jews going on birthright yeah it's like you maybe you don't know what to expect but then you get there I mean I never went on birthright that's exactly what it's like (laughs) I assume it's what it's like it's like fun when you have everyone doing it with you yeah I feel like that's like the theme of this podcast episode like it's fun to do things when everyone else is doing it and it's so much easier like if you're in Israel like observing the Sabbath is so much easier because everything is closed on Saturday. Yeah. If you're yeah. in the United States, it's a little different because it's like this is a Christian country at the end of the day. Yeah. Obviously, it's really easy to observe all of the Christian holidays. You have all those days off. Like Chick fil A yeah. is closed on Sundays for a reason, but we don't support them. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is interfaith marriage really common in Indonesia or no? It is not. And I don't think, I don't think that's even allowed in indonesia or maybe like you have to like find a loophole to do Mm -hmm. it because i know a lot of my friends would date and they have like different religions and they just have a hard time one like getting the okay from parents usually that's like the hardest hurdle two i think lawfully there's no way of doing that you can only like the way you get registered in indonesian law that you're married is if you're married in the religion's law okay so Mm. then you have to like either both be catholic both be islam or things like that there's no way of like doing it just by law you have to do it both by law and by Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who end up like getting married outside of Indonesia and go back. I don't know how that translates, to be honest, but or people just like convert to whatever religion they agree, then no one's really like religious. I see. Are there any Jewish people in Indonesia? I feel like I never hear about. No. No. The 
I, that's the craziest thing. So, because we keep on reading about the history of Muslims and Jewish people back in like the Middle East when the prophets were like all together mm -hmm. and things like that. I've heard the story forever since I was a child, but then I've never like understood like what is this? Like, is this a religion? Like, <laughs> is this like like a village? Yeah, like how would you know? Yeah, I've never met anyone from these stories. So to me, it's just like a story. Never met anyone who's a Jew in Indonesia. Barely no one was Jewish in Indonesia. Went to college, freaking USC, <laughs> full of Jews. Yeah. My best friend is a Jew. And I'm like, oh my God, like how, like this is crazy. Like I've never met any Jew in Indonesia. And then I'm only like, I've only met them in, in LA. So yeah, to answer your question, never met anyone who is Jewish in Indonesia, but only met them in LA. Certainly not to put you on the spot and 100% no judgment, mm -hmm. swear my life. I understand you didn't know any Jews in Indonesia. So but there's that, yeah, it's yeah, on yeah. the table. Did you have any like preconceived notions or any anything that surprised you about meeting a Jew or anything you thought would be different or you just didn't even think no, about it? Like, I didn't think much about it, just more, it's more like, huh, like I didn't even think about that. Like once I learned that yeah. they're Jewish, it's like, oh yeah, like I actually never met any Jew in Indo. Like, <laughs> you know, like that's just more of like what my first impression was, but there are, certain ways that like the not the quran maybe like the indonesian people muslim people in indonesia the way they talk about jewish people in general like outside of indonesia because like no one is really jewish in indonesia is like they would it's not like making them it, i don't think it's really like demonizing them it's more so like they would talk about like what's happening in afghanistan or like pakistan or things like that that's just not even in indonesia it's like not even your problem but they're like yeah. put it into like oh that's like jewish people like they're just attacking that's i mean that's what i figured yeah, that's why i was asking they're just like attacking muslims like that's just what they do da, 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 da. so they're they would it's always like yeah. that story but like obviously that doesn't like i don't really like a count that when I'm like right yeah so it's of just course. like dude like mom like what are you talking about? <laughs> no I know I know I mean that's what I assumed would be mm -hmm. the discussion about Jewish people in a culture that's like yeah who just doesn't know yeah like, I totally understand that of course yeah and that's like I would say it's like common just anywhere you are right like in the U.S. like you don't really like meet a lot of probably Muslims too just because right. like it's obviously the minority um, so then you have like preconceived notions about what that is, things like that. Of course. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like the narrative is totally controlled by like stories passed down amongst generations yeah. of people and the media. And it's like, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And the thing yeah. about Jews is like, we don't have missionaries and we don't like, mm. you can't just say two sentences and then become Jewish. So it's like, yeah. of course people are going to be like, well, I don't know anything about that. So I'm just going to fill in the blanks yeah. myself. And there's a very high 100%. barrier to entry. And I wonder if that maybe turns some people off too. I assume so. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yes. yes. I just started a podcast too. And it's mainly for the Indonesian market mm -hmm. um, because we're speaking like half English, half Indonesian. But I started it with my best friend. She actually lives in New York. So moving to New York is basically 
going to make this podcasting easier. You're for moving me to too. New York. I'm moving to New York October. Oh, yeah, we were off mic talking yeah. about well, the audience remote. doesn't know. So I actually knew, I did actually know she know. was moving to New York. Moving to New York and you're going to love it. I'm I'm so excited. Yeah, we're we're doing this podcast and basically invite a bunch of Indonesian women, mostly friends of friends or our dear friends also, um who basically are doing cool shit like some of them like love it yeah these girls just like a lot of them do their own thing either like started a business on their own or made a an app for people to like find sources for mental health and find therapists in Indonesia which cool. is like a totally not common yes. thing or she's an activist who talks a lot about gender equality or sex education things like that just a lot of cool things like that and we invite them and we get nosy because that's basically our culture anyway but it's just like Judaism um, it's mainly yeah but it's mainly to like share the knowledge and raise awareness about these things that are usually still taboo in Indonesia so yeah it's been a lot of fun a lot of fucking work so awesome and so specific and yeah. that's why it's going to do yeah. really well I hope so. and <laughs> Fuck yeah, I love that. Yeah, so if if you guys want to learn some Indonesian, yeah, that's probably actually a really good way to learn. I'm in. Listen to it. Yeah, because yeah, all I know is Nasi <laughs> Yeah, it's been really fun. I mean, it's a lot of work. I'm sure you guys yes. know. Yes. Oh my too, god. Yeah. But it's really fun to just have something though, besides like my day job. Preach. That's why we like. Yeah, it. it's yeah. nice to have something that's like your own and that you're passionate about yeah. and. That like maybe like we'll make someone's day or like make a positive difference or yeah. some shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll make all of your mom's yes. days. Yes. So <laughs> and that's what we can find your podcast wherever <laughs> podcasts are found, right? Or no? No, we're only on Spotify. Okay. So you and Dak Shepard. catch us on Spotify. And Barack Obama. But we're not. <laughs> but we're not sponsored <laughs> yet. I think we, we did, it. did it. Thank you so much. That was so fun. Yeah. This was such a time, a time to be had. Honestly. It was really wonderful. I learned so much. I fucking love learning. Don't you learning guys? is I the best. Know. Every time I like record for the podcast, because we're always like talking about new things, and I'm just like, whoa, like I never thought of that. This is so cool. Like, how did I not have heard of this and things like that? It's always like fun. Thanks for joining us, Dina. You can follow her on Instagram at Dina Colada, except the O is a zero. Be sure to check out her podcast, KTP the Podcast, on Spotify, and then their Instagram handle is just the name of the pod. If you're a fan of our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, listen for free on Spotify, and don't forget to rate and review us. Follow us on Insta at Pray for us Pod. Shabbat Shalom. This podcast has been mastered and mixed by the one and only Josh Fisher. Yay, Josh. We love you, Josh.